Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. It is Thursday, the 7th of April. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. I mean, for those of you still lying there in the dark, um, hey, good morning. I see you out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's time to wash those sheets. I don't know. Do you have a schedule? This is of concern to me. Um, there should be a schedule for sheet washing. And if you're thinking to yourself, I don't actually remember the last time I washed my sheets. Yeah. That is what you need to get up and do this morning. All right. That's just like, I don't know, basic mommy hygiene uh, Thursday morning encouragement. Um, Lots of headlines today um, to bring the mind of Christ to bear upon many of them out of Ukraine. Many of the headlines out of Ukraine. And I just want to I want to lead off with this. And it's going to it's going to make you sad. So just brace yourself in advance. Um. I mean, as the people of eastern Ukraine are bracing for what military intelligence officials around the world are predicting is going to be an onslaught by Russian forces in an attempt for Russia to get something out of a war where they have utterly failed to achieve their original objective of overthrowing and subjugating the nation of Ukraine. So as the people of eastern Ukraine are being told by their own government to leave in any way possible, many of them unable to do so for you know, for various reasons, um, and therefore then, you know, just bracing for what is going to be, um, by all predictions, <clears throat> even worse for them than it has already been. Um, in the city of Mariupol, where 90% of structures have been destroyed, people have not had access to um, sanitation, food, water, um, heat, uh, for weeks now. So, what is coming is going to be awful. What we are learning has already happened is painful, is painful to consider. So as Russian forces were forced to abandon efforts in and around the nation's capital of Kiev, we all are now aware of atrocities committed by them, extrajudicial executions, rape, torture, and then efforts to cover all of it up are evident The survivor stories are difficult to hear. The images um, take up what I will describe as like permanent residence in the human psyche. The world is watching in real time um, and is trying to figure out how do you hold a nuclear-empowered country accountable. All of that is a little solace for the family and friends of the dead. And so I want to share one obituary with you this morning of a brother in Christ Uh, a person with whom you and I are certainly going to spend eternity now among those um, arguably beneath the throne as a martyr, crying out, how long, how long, how long, O Lord, how long? Indeed, uh, uh, that is the cry this morning. So um, 
Vitaly Vinogradov was the academic dean of the Kiev Slavic Evangelical Seminary in Kiev. He lived in Bucha. He's a 48-year-old single dad, now leaves behind an orphan child. Um, he was fleeing the Russian occupation of Bucha, attempting to walk the 10 miles from his home to an office in Kiev where he had, um, you know, agreed, uh, the, the folks there had agreed to offer him shelter. Uh, that's when Russian forces killed him and left his body on a local street for what was nearly a month before it was found. He left his home on March the 6th. He was reported missing on March the 10th. Ukrainian law enforcement officials found his body on April the 1st after Russia was forced out of the tri-city area of Bucha, Irpin, and Gostomol near Kiev. Irpin is like um, the Wheaton of uh, of Ukraine. It is a largely evangelical town. Bucha has many Christians as well and was um, was home to many of the people who work at the Evangelical Seminary. His body lay on the street beside a fellow believer and a friend, Olag Grishchenko, and their bodies were among the hundreds of those found on roads and in parks and in hastily dug mass graves um, in these outlying areas of, of Kiev. The latest official count... 410 civilian casualties. That number is very likely to grow. Lord have mercy. What is our right response? Grief, moral outrage, the mobilization of support of every kind that we can muster, and prayers of lament. Prayers of lament. There is only one who can shoulder the burden of this grief and his name is Jesus and upon himself he bore all of it all of it no one uh, is suffering as gravely as Jesus and it is for these that he suffered and died is it sin yes can Jesus carry it yes Is he good and faithful and just and available right now? Yes. And in his name and to the throne of God, we lift prayers of lament today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. When we come back, Ben Johnson will join us and we will survey some of the headlines of the day. My right, a right given by God to live a free life, to live in freedom. Ben Johnson is a media reporter for the Daily Wire. You can find him at dailywire.com. Ben, the question of the day How often do you guys wash your sheets? I was afraid you were going to ask. Uh, mm-hmm. This this mm-hmm. Uh, um, usually falls into my wife's purview, so uh, mm-hmm. I can't uh, I can't exactly answer with any specificity. 
Okay. It's on most people's calendars. I'm now finding out. People texting in agree this is something you actually have to put on your calendar in order to remember to do it. So there you go. Three weeks seems to be the trend. Uh, Hmm. I am among those who have sheet washing day once a month. There you go. All the sheets once a month. Yeah. Okay. Um, Media. Do people, I mean, you're you're a media reporter. Do people actually trust the media? Um, And if so, which media do they trust? Well, it depends on which people you ask, as it turns out. There was a YouGov survey, uh, YouGov, the uh, polling firm, and they asked people, do you trust the media? And if so, which outlets do you find most trustworthy? And as it turns out, they, they surveyed Republicans and Democrats, and then they had the breakdown by party, but then also for all Americans. It turns out, as all Americans, there is only one network that most Americans support that they actually believe and and trust. And it's just a bare majority, just over 50%. Unfortunately, it's the Weather Channel. That's <laughs> the one network that has nothing to do with politics. You know, basically, they just tell you it's going to rain today. Take, a, you know, take a, an umbrella. That's the one channel that Americans trust. Everything else is up for grabs. Um, one of the one of the major changes and and uh, developments that comes out of this is something we've known for a while, which is that uh, Republicans tend not to trust the media of any background, including conservative media. Democrats tend to be much more trusting of every media source except conservative media. So, um, you know, next to next to uh, the Weather Channel, I think the uh, the next couple that come in line. Uh, are uh, things like the Wall Street Journal, where only a little bit more than a third of all Americans trust what they read there. And uh, from there on, it's it's a, a sort of a, a demon drop all the way to the bottom of uh, American trust. So generally, Democrats trust the mainstream media. Uh, Republicans don't trust any other uh, source other than the Weather Channel, with one exception, uh, a, a slight majority also trust Fox News. But then when it gets to conservative uh, media websites and things of that sort, uh, they don't necessarily trust those. Only about a third of Republicans even trust uh, media that's churned out on their own side. So uh, generally, Democrats tend to be much more trusting. Republicans, not so much. I think that's good, uh, generally, that uh, you would we want to have a sort of a skeptical point of view, which is what they teach you in journalism. They teach you when, when someone gives you a story, your first response ought to be, that doesn't sound right. Let me check that against other facts. Uh, otherwise, you're not a journalist, you're a stenographer. So so mm. generally, there is a, a breakdown in trust. I, I think that it's generally a good thing that people uh, reference many different media types, and they put uh, no absolute trust in anything except our Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, that also means that since we trust different outlets, we're going to different outlets, we essentially inhabit two totally different worlds of fact. And that is part of the reason that we have such a massive breakdown between our two parties. We don't even acknowledge that uh, what is happening in one side is true uh, because we don't deal with the same reality. Yeah, literally. We're literally, it's not that we're not uh, uh, only not watching or listening to the same news we're not even listening to the same set of facts when we listen to the news. It is uh, it is really challenging. All right, Ben, let's uh, take a very brief pause. When we come back, I'd love for you to update us on the Associated Press Style Guide, which is surprisingly relevant to, um, to what we do. And then I want you to comment on this church that is fasting from whiteness during the season of Lent. Fasting from whiteness. Yeah, I'm going to let you tell us what that means. We're talking to Ben Johnson. From the Daily, the Daily Wire, you can find him at dailywire.com.
You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. All right, I'm just going to apologize for all of you that I, I grossed out when I said I wash our sheets once a month because apparently most of you wash your sheets once a week. Yeah, I'm, I'm way off. I'm way off. I will bring myself into greater conformity <clears throat> with, uh, with all righteousness here. Uh, ben Johnson is with us. He is a media writer for The Daily Wire. You can find what he's writing at dailywire.com. Um, I know that, Ben, you're paying attention to the AP style guide. What is it and why do we care and what has changed? Well, the AP style guide is what the Associated Press uses whenever it's going to write a story. Uh, It has an official form whenever you discuss certain entities, the way that you discuss them, uh, the facts about those entities are all written down in the AP style book. And uh, so sometimes we wonder, how is it that this phrase gets used uh, rather than some other phrase? It's in the style book. Uh, in many cases, it's uh, it's not helpful for us. Uh, for example, uh, when it comes to uh, gender identity issues, it's very much on the side of uh, the gender revolution. But when it comes to uh, the religion style book, they just massively updated it. They added about 40 entries. Uh, this is the first time, for example, that the Sikh religion has its own entry. Uh, They added an entry for Haredi Judaism uh, instead of calling it ultra-Orthodox, which sounds kind of pejorative uh, and in which they do not like. And that seems to be something of a trend. Uh, They they said that they've cut down on the use of the term cult and even on the use of the term denomination because some religious groups don't like to be called denominations. Um, So that's that's part of what's uh, going on. Whenever a journalist writes a story, they consult this book, they use its terms, uh, they draw a lot of the information from this book. So uh, that's it's interesting and uh, uh, always uh, helpful when they update uh, an entry like this. Uh, also uh, somewhat relevant, they said that they updated the entry for Eastern Rite Catholic churches, and that's actually a major issue when it comes to Ukraine. In, uh, in Western Ukraine, you have a majority or at least a very large percentage of Eastern Rite Catholics. In Eastern Ukraine, you have a large percentage of Eastern Orthodox because of something that happened back in the 1560s called the Union of Brest-Litovsk, where Poland conquered uh, Ukraine and wanted Ukraine to become Roman Catholic. And uh, ultimately, they ended up retaining Eastern Orthodox customs and liturgy, but they acknowledged the Pope instead of uh, the local patriarch or the local bishop of the Eastern Orthodox Church. So uh, it, it was interesting. The, um, the gentleman who was interviewed about this said, uh, that history is so complicated and complex, we, we almost gave up at certain times trying to get it all right. But uh, it, it's good that they're trying to get it right. I, I would say I favor anything that encourages greater specificity and greater accuracy when it comes to religion. And the best preparation that uh, these AP reporters could come along with is if they would attend a church or a house of worship themselves. Mm. <clears throat> um. This might not surprise you, but on the text line, uh, there's a lot of input on the sheet controversy. Mm -hmm. I I know, I know, and I am a little distracted by it, and I apologize. Um, So um, apparently when you wash and clean your sheets also has to do with when you wash and clean your body. So if you shower at night before you go to bed, then it's okay to, you know, wash your sheets less frequently than those who are showering um, in the morning and therefore going to bed in the description of one listener, dirty people. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't really know I was going to start such a <clears throat> such a 
Whew, debate. Okay, um, I, Ben. I, I just want to know how to get the thing on my bed. That's the major struggle I have. <laughs> I, like the, I know. It's a two-person and, job and how to for fold sure. It. Yeah. No, don't, don't, don't. Wash them and put them immediately back on. Don't have like a that. That's absolutely. Wash them and put them back on. Don't fight with trying to fold fold that that sheet that doesn't really have corners. Yeah. Mm. Right. That's just a wad in the closet. All right. You are working on a piece, and maybe it's posted and I've missed it. But on the mental, social, and psychological benefits of going to church, I would like to hear about this. Well, uh, let's let's uh, take a look at that, but uh, w- maybe we can discuss that in greater depth uh, next week. It has not yet been oh, posted, good. so I, I oh I, good okay. Well, let's wait on that it, so. then. Okay, then tell us about um, this church that is fasting from whiteness during Lent. Yeah, uh, an unusual term, uh, uh, fasting from whiteness. This is uh, a First United Church of Oak Park, uh, and unfortunately, they they decided that uh, they wanted to racially discriminate. I guess for uh, for Lent. Uh, they put they posted this announcement on their website, quote, in our worship services throughout Lent, we will be using uh, we will not be using any music or liturgy written or composed by white people. Our music will be drawn from the African-American spirituals tradition, from South African freedom songs, from Native American traditions and many, many more. So uh, evidently they, they decided that uh, they wanted to discriminate uh, in order to honor God who made of one blood every nation of men to dwell upon the face of the earth. Uh the idea of whiteness, uh, and, and Paul and I, Paul Perot and I were just discussing this, uh, uh, whiteness is essentially just a pejorative term at this at this point. It doesn't hold any real meaning. But uh, when when you decide that you're going to discriminate against an entire group of people, uh, I, don't, I don't find that God-honoring or God-affirming any more than, um, than for if it were done in reverse. Uh, what we read in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, John saw a great multitude no one could number from every nation, all tribes, all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and behold, uh, before the Lamb. And it says that they are crying out in one voice, and they're all using the same words. If you notice in the book of Revelation, they're all using the same words. Uh, in my own church tradition, we have uh, a liturgical text that everyone reads from, regardless of what their racial background is. Uh, we don't consider ourselves to be Greek or Russian when we are saying this. We simply consider ourselves to be Christian. And in that liturgy, we've incorporated uh, all of the prayer traditions of all the saints from all the ages who have been part of our tradition, worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the idea that uh, I think that there are appropriate ways to um, to honor that diversity uh, of, of the entire global church, the global Catholic church with a small c, and to do so in ways that are God-affirming, but to discriminate against an entire group of people, uh, and particularly with um, with the idea of, uh, of focusing on, uh, for example, Native American traditions, which uh, many of which are not Christian, uh, certainly strikes me as profoundly anti-Christian. It's the exact opposite. Christ was sent to all nations, and we draw from all nations who are in Christ uh, to worship our Lord and Maker. And he's he's calling unto himself um, people of every tribe, nation, uh, tongue, and variety. And so um, I, I affirm the way you have answered this, and I really appreciate it. I think that does exactly what we're trying to do, which is be equipped to enter into the conversations of the day, do so in ways that brings the mind of Christ and the scriptures to bear on the issues that we face, and you have done so beautifully. So again, thank you so much, Ben. Well, it's, it's my pleasure, and thank you for asking me about this. Um, you know, there's, there's no way for a church to enter into these kinds of, um, these kinds of very fraught issues and to please people. Uh, 
Um, you know, the um, the church in question is a part of the Presbyterian Church USA and the United Church of Christ. It was a merger of two churches. And uh, from its website, it's essentially what you would expect from a, a group that makes this kind of announcement. You have the rainbow flag with the dove of the Holy Spirit uh, outlined against it. It calls itself open and affirming. And uh, from what I can tell, it seems to be a, a majority white liberal church. Uh, so if you go down this road, you can say, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting from whiteness. I'm not going to use anything that was written by white people. And then the, the other side simply accuses you of cultural appropriation at that point. So uh, it's, it's a catch-22. If we're seeking to divide ourselves, we will never run out of issues to divide the body of Christ. You read that all through the letters of St. Paul all through the epistles, everything that uh, the apostle wrote, people are continually dividing. And I can't imagine any issue less relevant to Jesus Christ than the color of the skin of the people who are worshiping him. Amen, amen, and amen. Ben, as always, um, thank you so much. You guys can find Ben online at dailywire.com. Um, he is a media reporter for them, and we are looking forward to um, a, an, an upcoming post on the mental, social, and psychological benefits of going back to church, because I'm kind of excited about knowing all of that. So, Ben, get busy, man, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. God bless, and wash those sheets. Exactly. You're listening to Mornings <laughs> with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We'll be right back. Apparently, uh, Rosella says, you know, if you're wear, if you're a clean person and you're wearing clean jammies, uh, you, she doesn't think it's necessary to wash your sheets more than every couple or three weeks. Um, apparently, Monday is both sheet and floor day for uh, Randy and Jeannie. So there you go. Um, I mean, I, you know, every two to three weeks. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Uh, this is ridiculous to wash your sheets every week. Uh, you might as well wash your sheets every day. Well, there you go. But who has time for that? Well, and who has who has tied for that might be the bigger question. Okay. Um, there is a church in Athens, Georgia, that I just want to celebrate before you because God's doing a new thing. And isn't that fun to hear about from time to time? Lots of churches across the country um, not only closing and being sold, um, but churches struggling to imagine like how God might send a fresh wave of his spirit and genuine revival. So this is that kind of church. This church had been, uh, it's Cleveland Road Baptist Church. They'd been praying for God to send revival, um, and their numbers continued to decline. COVID lockdowns at the State University, um, which the University of Georgia is in Athens. And so COVID lockdowns um, proved to be this strange blessing in disguise because the University of Georgia limited gatherings on campus, including you know, kids who wanted to gather together to have like in-dorm Bible studies, get together for such things. And so the church offered meeting space. There was a group of guys in the freshman dorm having a weekly, um, you know, weekly gathering. They were no longer allowed to do that on campus because of COVID restrictions. The church said, hey, y'all can, you know, y'all can come here and have a room. Well, the group grew. And um, the members of this church which is a total of 16 people, um, supplemented now by more than 60 college students every Sunday. So there's, you know, 80-some people now in worship, the overwhelming majority of them college students, 
who found the church to be um, a place that invited them in where they could gather, where they could study scripture, where they could fellowship with one another when they could not do so on, um, uh, you know, on the public university campus where they were attending. God's knitting together a family of faith in that place across generations and life experience, and it's really cool. So if we, if we scroll back just a couple of years, there were 12 members of the Cleveland Road Baptist Church, and in 2019, they called a pastor. And they called that pastor with the hope and a prayer that God would send revival. And God has used that young pastor and his family and his affection for the city where he went to, where he went to college. And yeah, I'll say God used the pandemic to fill the sanctuary and revitalize the church. So do not despair, my friends. God is doing new things even now. And maybe he wants to do a new thing right where you are. What would it look like for the church where you worship to be overwhelmed by an inflow of new immigrants. They might be new immigrants from another country. They might be new immigrants from across the country because they attend a university in your town. I don't know what kind of new immigrants they might be, but I want you to consider just for a moment how God might be bringing revival in ways that don't look like you, don't look like the people that have always attended the church where you are. What might it look like for your church to be a refuge in the midst of all the chaos of the world. And who might come? Who might come seeking refuge in the church where you worship? Kathy Branzell heads up the National Day of Prayer Task Force. The National Day of Prayer is just a month away. So she's going to join us to um, to bring us up to date on that. We're also going to talk about prayer in preparation and during Holy Week. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Kathy Branzell is back. You can find her at nationaldayofprayer.org. Kathy, good morning. Good morning, friend. How are you? Good morning. I am well. It is well with my soul. The world is a mess, but God has it all in hand, strangely so. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I'm trying to keep my eyes on the wonder of God right now, um, knowing that he is the authority. I know a lot of times we say God is in control. God is in control. And yes, that is absolutely true. But I'm just trying to adore him and his great authority and wonder right now, especially leading into Easter. So Jim and I were um, taking a little walk yesterday because the the fragrance outside is just, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it other than to just say your jaw drops because all of our apple trees are blooming. Ooh. And so, I mean, it's yeah. it's just this jaw-dropping fragrance <clears throat> and it's 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 like positively overwhelming. And so you want to go yes. out there and be in it and, and breathe yeah. it in. And I mean, we're standing there in our little orchard and Jim, I mean, he is, he's a, he, he's awestruck. He, he does wonder at God a lot. Like, who are you? Like, just look up to the sky and be like, who are you? But, you know, he noted yesterday as we're standing there and this fragrance is just all around us. You know, he said, you know, God didn't have to do that. No. He didn't, he didn't have to make this smell like this. He didn't have to make these, you know, these apple blossoms this beautiful. I mean, none of that had to be the way that he brought an apple about. Right. Yeah. My azalea bushes are going crazy. You know, it's master's weekend. So, you know, on cue, the dogwoods have bloomed, the azaleas have bloomed. Now I know it's snowing in Minnesota. 
I so the, twin, um, the twins are not having their not having for, their home opener today because of the snow. There is a season. Um, we also, you know, get the tornadoes with this. But just to um, to to choose where our focus is going to be now, you know, you don't shut out the things going on in the world because that's what we pray about. We go to battle um, over these things that break our hearts and ask God to break our hearts for what breaks his. Um, and so but to really, especially stepping into Easter, this this whole Lenten season of making room for what matters, to focus on what matters, and His mightiness, His love. Um, I've been reading a little Max Licato lately. I do, he, he's great. It's like having, reading his books is like he's having a conversation with you, and um and he just, uh, he remarks on one of his books that we worship God because we need to, mm. we need to. And isn't that true? I mean, in his beautiful holiness and the wonder of the apple blossom, the smells, the sights, the taste. I mean, he didn't have to give us all these wonderful things that taste so good. Um, but he loved us and he did. And he loves to hear our heartbeat because he set it in motion. And so with with all the anxiety that we might be waking up with this morning, with all of the um, daunting things that are around us, the depressing things that we see on screens and hear on the news, um, just turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Um, mm. And you know, as the hymn says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And and so live there for a little while, worship there for a little while, and prepare your hearts to know that he loves you so much that he wouldn't let you die in your sin. And so he came and died for them. Kathy, that's so helpful. That is um, that's such a good hymn to bring to mind um, and remind us you know, where our focus belongs. Um, I do think that the things of the world, they're not just a distraction. They're a depressing distraction often. Um, and and turning our eyes intentionally toward Jesus. Now, when we do that during Holy Week, we're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus on Palm Sunday, and we're going to see one thing. And then we're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus on Thursday, and we're going to see quite another thing. And then on Friday, we're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus and we're going to see the cross. Yes. And then on Saturday, we're going to live in this period of dark emptiness. Yeah. And then on Sunday, we're going to turn our eyes upon Jesus and he's going to be radiant and resurrected. So can you talk with Living. us? Can you talk with us about praying in preparation for Holy Week and then during Holy Week? How do we turn our eyes upon Jesus as he walks this journey? Yeah. Um, well, get your Bibles out and walk through that journey in Scripture. Read all of the Gospels. Um, I love when when the Spirit catches a word as I'm reading the word, but he'll take a word and then say, trace the root. And, and so even going back into Old Testament prophecy to see how Jesus came how he lived, the things he said, um, the wonders he performed, um, and and how they trace back to the fulfillment 
of that which we could have never done, the debt we could have never paid, and then pray through it. Again, we're not we're not going to blind our eyes to what's going on today. They become prayer prompts. Um, get, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And so let that be a prayer prompt. We'll go back and, and pray through all of these days what Jesus did, what he was modeling, and what he was mandating, and then ask God how um, you should be doing that too. How should you, um, uh, it, one of the things that's, that's often overlooked on Palm Sunday is that Jesus came riding in on a donkey, okay? In the cultural context of that time, um, if you came, if a, if a leader came in on a horse, they were coming in war. If they came in on a donkey, they were coming in peace. And Jesus is showing uh, everybody in that cultural time fully understood the Prince of Peace was coming in peace. He, he, he did not come in for a fight for this world. He came for the people. And so um, how much more in this time uh, right now that's filled with such anger and division and everybody's just ready for a fight Ask God how you can walk into each day, your office, your own kitchen, um, your school, on a donkey, coming in mm. peace, coming in love, and, and just walk through this season of what Jesus did, washing feet, taking the position of a servant, all the things he said, write them down and pray them through. And always, always, always give him thanks for what he's done. We never want to forget what he's done. The walk through the Kidron Valley, um, the teaching mm-hmm. on the vine, the Last Supper, the foot washing, the prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, the posture of Jesus when he's arrested, the mm-hmm. words he speaks from the cross, um, the the gentle way that he provides for his mother um, in mm-hmm. advance of his death. Um, right. There are, there are so many moments, scenes, events, not only during Holy week, but, you know, on specifically, um, you know, on good Friday that I don't want people to miss. So if you're listening right now and you heard Kathy invite us to read the gospels, all of them to really see Jesus during Holy week, we want to invite you to join us. We are, Doing just that, we're going to read through the Bible together during Holy Week. You can um, you can sign up at myfaithradio.com. We will send you the free study guide. There's going to be a daily podcast um, that goes along with the reading the Bible together um, study. And so go to myfaithradio.com and sign up for that today. And if you're saying to yourself, I, I can't type all that in, um, you can just text me at 877-933-2484 and we'll send you the link. Um, to uh, to sign up really easily on the website to join us. We'd love for you to read the Bible with us during Holy Week. We want to provide that spiritual opportunity for you as an individual, but also for all of us together as a community of believers. So, Kathy, thank you for leading off with that. Um, yeah. We're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, Kathy Branzell and I are going to continue this conversation about praying in and through Holy Week. And then we're also going to invite her to bring us up to date on what's happening with the National Day of Prayer. It's just one month away. 
And you can find all that information at nationaldayofprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Let us pray. Continuing our conversation with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force, you can find information about the National Day of Prayer, which is just one month away, at yep. nationaldayofprayer.org. That's amazing, Kathy. It's just one month away. Can you can you hardly believe it? Twenty-eight days. Twenty-eight days. <laughs> Not that you're counting them down. Oh, I feel every second. Um, but again, not an anxiety, like an excitement. We're going to exalt the Lord who has established us. It's just like this carrying on of all that we're reminded of. And we worship through Easter and we carry it into a lifestyle of praising him. It's a it's a reset and a prayer for revival um, as as we praise him. I'm so excited. So great. All right. So remind us um, how to get engaged. Tell us what's happening um, you know, invite us in. Oh, yes. So, so many things. But uh, first of all, right there in your community, wherever you are, please, you can, uh, um, over the next month, now it's filling up. So um, I, I would give us another week or so, but you can go onto our website, nationaldayofprayer.org, and go to our event finder and find an event near you. If you're hosting an event uh, there um, in your community, please put it up on the event finder so other people can find you. And we want you to pray through the day. Start the day in prayer. We have a national prayer. Pray with your family. Encourage your kids, their grandkids to pray at their school. Pray in the workplace. Um, find out, you know, ha- have a prayer time during lunch um, at your workplace or, or with a group of friends that you pray with at work. Hey, it's National Day of Prayer. By law, by law. Um, the president must call this nation to a day of prayer for the nation. And so be praying. And then uh, that evening, and we're so grateful to Faith Radio, you're going to be partnering with us in this, but we will um, be having our National Day of Prayer national broadcast that evening. And um, you can tune in and pray with some of your favorite pastors and influencers and speakers as we host um, and gather this nation together to pray for our nation and for one another. And so we're grateful that you will be broadcasting that as well. That's right. So on the National Day of Prayer, you can tune in however you're tuning in right now um, at MyFaithRadio.com, on the Faith Radio app. Um, on all of our broadcast signals across the country, we will be uh, broadcasting the National Day of Prayer um, service, the event that evening on the National Day of Prayer. But I, I really I want you to engage in your own community as well throughout the day. Yes. Find an event or host an event. We have a listener um, who has texted in something happening in, in her uh, sphere of influence on the National Day of Prayer. She said there's the financial planner um, in the building um, that we share um, and he used to host a National Day of Prayer event at the building, but uh, during COVID, he started doing it via Zoom. This year, he has asked seven people to pre-record two to three minutes, um, and then they're going to compile those and just offer them to people um, via email, a creative way for people to engage no matter where they are if they can't come to an event, and they're going to cover um, what she describes as the seven centers of influence Hers yes. being the media. So that's cool, right? Like that's a really that's like awesome. cool and creative way 
for an individual to remain committed to hosting a National Day of Prayer event, but do so maybe with his clients across the country or around the world, um, you know, in a way that he's sending it out on email. I think that's really cool. And he's working on it in advance, which is also good. Yeah, that uh, we love that. And and just it's more inclusive, you know, let it, it brings people who can't get out, uh, you know, people who have young children or are working in their workplace, you know, won't let them allow for whatever reason to participate. And so, so grateful. Um, and, you know, on another note, too, the broadcast is going to go out on television to over 200 nations. And so, uh we had so many different countries say, can we please participate? Can we please? We're praying for America. Can we pray mm. with you? And so uh, just think about the National Day of Prayer as a time of God's family just gathering in the throne room of heaven to praise him. It, that's that's something you don't want to miss. Kathy, I wonder if um, we have um, sufficient expectation of what God might do to glorify himself. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, if the you know, if here across the country, tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people are praying, first of all, that would be great. That's my vision for the National Day of Prayer. Um, And then globally, you know, people around the world also praying for the United States of America in hundreds of countries. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what might God do? Like, right? Like, let's, let's allow ourselves the moment to revel in um, the reality that God might just get himself some glory. Like God, God exactly. might really do something. Yes. And, and that's why I'm not anxious. I mean, yes, there's a lot of planning to do, but he's already there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the whole your kingdom come, your will be done. I, I can't think of anything more that he wills than for us to love and honor and adore him. Uh, to 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 respect and honor him as the one true God, the creator of all existence. And scripture says he inhabits our praise. And so, um, of course, he's going to show up. And um, I oh, when I wonder um, about his glory, like, you know, in, in awe, that kind of wonder, not, Hmm. Uh, when, when I just really try to sit, I know that my brain is not big enough. I cannot contain, um, what he might do and what he will do as he is glorified, as he is loved, as he is praised. And, um, my heart is always that there would be a reviving of our hearts and that it wouldn't just be the day. You know, we talk about how um, our name of our ministry often deceives us, you know, the the National Day of Prayer. We get to steward and steer this beautiful day, but it's the culmination and celebration of 364 other days of passionate prayer. And so what if it becomes a lifestyle? What if we start prompting people and in that strength that they get, the the passion, the love, uh, the blessed assurance, the steadfastness of how he's established us because of who he is. And people go, I want to do that every day. Uh, that'll change the world right there. Think about hosting a National Day of Prayer event at your juvenile court complex. Think about doing it um, on the campus or just beyond the campus of a school consider doing it, um, obviously, not only at your church, but maybe in front of your church, like get outside and do this in front, um, in front of the watching world. 
Um, and this, let me, you know, uh, I'm just going to encourage every single person. We've got a month before, 28 days before the National Day of Prayer. Let us all exalt the Lord who has established us. Let us um, be the people who exalt the Lord, recognizing that he has established us. Um, and he wants to do mighty, good, and great things. Kathy, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We just love having you. Oh, thank you. And I'll be talking to you the week before. So thanks for your prayers. Absolutely. Nationaldayofprayer.org. That's where you're going to find the resources and connect to an event near you. Nationaldayofprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. This is Faith Radio. invite you to be praying for one another today. Uh, Mary has shared a prayer request, and I have assured her of my prayers, and so I'm going to invite you into this time of prayer for Mary. Let's pray with her. Mary's daughter's in jail, awaiting a competency hearing. Um, Mary is praying, and we are praying with her. Father God, will you allow the court system to see that Mary's daughter is in need of mental health treatment? Will you make those resources available? And then, Father, when um, Mary's daughter is able to think clearly, let her see you. In fact, Father, let her see you even now. Reveal yourself to her in ways that we can't begin to understand nor predict. Let her know that she's loved. Let her know that you see her and care for her right where she is in that jail cell. These things we pray in the name of Thanks Jesus. Thanks for listening to this and podcast of, of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.